All right, today in our life plan series, we are talking about vocation, vocation. Now, when we think of vocation, we normally think of what? Our jobs, right? And we connect those two. We are not gonna connect those two today. In fact, we're gonna separate those two today. Our vocation is not necessarily our job. When we talk about our jobs, we're talking about the, the things that we do, the stuff that we do uh, that meets our obligation, that meets our obligation. Now, when it comes to our jobs, uh, some of you, in fact, probably most of you might say, I don't like my job. 70% of Americans do not like their jobs, 70%. Globally, it's 85% of people don't like their jobs. So you would be a Stanley Hudson, right? You would be Stanley Hudson, and you know our, our friend Stanley. Uh, if you're not an Office fan, that is your spiritual problem. You need to repent of that sin and get in to watch uh, The Office. It is the most amazing show ever produced. So you're like Stanley uh, Hudson. Now, 15% of you love your job. You could say, I love my job. That's kind of a, a rare breed where you wake up and you look forward to going to work. That, of course, is Michael Scott. He loves his job. His life is his job. They say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's stupid because I love my job really funny if you know Michael Scott. It might take a little time, but uh, watch it online, you, you'll get it. Um, then you might think, well, it's just a job. You neither love it nor hate it. It's just work, right? You've got to pay some bills so you go to work. And that's a little bit of Jim Halpert here, right? That's Jim Halpert. Uh, I'm about to do something very bold in this job that I've never done before. <laughs> Try. So it's just a job, right? Just something he's got to do. Now, now, some of you, you neither love your job or hate your job or it's just a job. You don't have a job. And so you're thinking, I just need a job, right? Whether I love it or hate it, I just need a job. We're not talking so much about job today. We will, but we're going to speak more about the concept of vocation. Now, in order to separate these two, I'm going to start with a little story here. There was a man who loved roses and he built a rose garden in his side yard. Beautiful rose garden, dozens of roses. And he spent his free time in that garden obsessed with making sure that every plant was properly watered, fertilized, trimmed. And when he harvested those roses, they were gorgeous, stunning. Over the years, that garden became work. It became arduous. Where he, he woke up realizing that he had to work the garden and he did not like that garden. He did not like the work. Now, over a period of years, he woke up to this reality and he thought to himself, I don't like this. I don't want to just get in that garden and work. It used to be a love of mine. And so he made a determination that he was going to reignite his passion for roses and that rose garden. And so he started by just sitting above the rose garden for about an hour, just enjoying the roses for an hour, enjoying the whole garden enjoying the life that was rushing in and out with butterflies and birds and creatures and just enjoying that garden. Then he spent the next hour just walking down the aisles of the garden and noticing every rose, noticing the distinct patterns of shape and color in every rose plant and thoroughly soaking in what he had made. And that began a journey in him to rediscover his passion for roses and, and, and so you know where we're going here today, right? You're in one of those categories. And so let me ask you the question. Do you know your passion and enjoy living that out? Do you know your passion? And are you enjoying living that passion out? What's the answer to that question? You can just answer that in your head. If this is you, you know your passion and you enjoy living that out, then you are among the 15% of the population that really knows and understands their vocation. Or have you lost your passion and you're just swallowed up in work? 
It's just kind of a grind. It's stuff you do. You're looking at your watch. You can't wait to get out of there. You can't wait for your next vacation, right? You're just swallowed up in work. Is that you? Maybe we could all have this kind of an attitude that we are ready to rediscover our passion, to rediscover our passion and discover a more meaningful and enjoyable life. God has designed us with passions and skills where together we can enjoy everything we do with our life and our hands. Now, sometimes there's work to be done and it's just work and we'll talk about that a little later. But overall, you know your passion and you enjoy living that passion out. That's our goal today. So in order for us to get to that point, we need to distinguish three things. We need to distinguish our mission, our vocation, and our job. These are three different things, our mission, our vocation, and our job. Let's start with our mission. As we do, the left side of your workbook is where you can start doing some jotting here. There's going to be three sections on the left side of your workbook, mission, vocation, and job. And feel free to to doodle on that if you want. Uh, If you don't want to doodle in your workbook, it's totally up to you. Do whatever you want to do. Um, But I think it's helpful for us to to work this out uh, on paper. What is a mission? A mission is our very purpose for being. It's our very purpose for being. So if I were to ask you in the hallway... Right before this service, what's your mission? Probably 100 out of 100 of you would not have an answer to that question. And that's normal. That's not to condemn, it's not to judge, it's just normal. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about our mission on a personal level. Now, we do on a corporate level, right? Uh, Pretty well, every company that you may work for has a mission statement. In fact, uh, uh, Dilbert, the cartoon, has the definition of a mission statement. A mission statement is a long, awkward sentence that demonstrates management's inability to think clearly. That's a mission statement. Now, everybody has a mission statement. Sometimes it's not really followed or taken care of. Other times, it really is the driving force. Around here, we do have mission statements, and they actually do drive us, and they're effective to make sure we're doing what God's called us to do. The mission statement of Rancho Church is we are thousands of friends, some of you know it, advancing the cause of Christ. That's our mission statement. So we want a culture of friendship, right, of connection, of relationship, of fun together, food together, right? We're friends. Jesus called a group of friends. He says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. That's the culture here, advancing the cause of Christ. Our job is not to maintain religious, Christian, doctrinal, denominational activities. That's boring as heck and probably does more damage than good. But advancing the cause of Christ, wow, that's incredible. So we have this very intentional mission statement that articulates our culture and what we're to do, kind of the direction of what our activity should be. That's our mission. With our school, we equip Christ-centered leaders who are university-ready and life-ready. Christ-centered leaders who are university-ready and life-ready. That drives Rancho Christian School. So mission statements can be very, very important if they're you know, properly put together and well taken care of. But we don't have that kind of mission statement in our own personal lives. And I'm telling you, it's a great exercise to develop a personal mission statement Uh, Take some time, do it, use this workbook, develop a mission statement that drives your life. Now, if you were uh, catechized when you were younger in a more traditional church environment, you may have memorized the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question number one of dozens of questions, question number one has to do with life mission. The question is, what is the chief end of man? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So maybe you were catechized in that answer, that my mission, the chief end of my life, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. At Rancho, we say something similar that just has a little bit of a twist on it, that we live for the glory of God and the betterment of others. And that's a full ripoff of what Jesus said, right? What the great commandments, uh, Matthew 22, 37, 
here is the mission statement that Jesus has for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The mission is a mission of love. Jesus was, was transitioning the mission from obedience to law to the, the work of love. And, and he established this very, very clearly. So what I'd like us to do is take 90 seconds, and some of you can do this on your phone, some of you can do this on your workbook, but I would encourage you, maybe just do this in your head. Uh, for 90 seconds, start crafting a draft of a mission statement. You ready? You can do this on the left side of your paper. Uh, why do you live? What is your purpose for being? Begin. I have 10 seconds left. Uh, maybe you've gotten a few words down, a few phrases, maybe just something popped in your head, but I want to encourage you strongly, find some time in a life plan to develop a mission statement, something that is your purpose for being. That's kind of important, I think. So we're spending five minutes on it, right? Secondly, what is our vocation? Our vocation is different from our mission. Think of vocation and calling as interchangeable. So throughout the rest of our time together, vocation and calling will be interchangeable. Our vocation is our unique contribution to the mission. So Jesus encouraged us to have a mission statement of, of loving God, loving others. What's our unique contribution in that mission of love? Vocation is a sense of calling. Literally, it means our voice. Our, our calling, our vocation is our voice. It's how we speak. We don't just speak with words, right? Words are, are just kind of movements of air and they get out there and, and they're important, but they dissipate. Our vocation is our voice. It's the mark we leave by our life. It's the mark we leave by our life. And there's a few questions that we need to answer in order to understand what our vocation is. So again, on the left side of your paper there, uh, write answers to these questions. What are your unique passions? What gets you fired up, right? What gets you excited? What do you really care about in this world? It could be family, relationships, it could be an industry, it could be a goal, it could be something local, something global. What fires you up? What, are, what uniquely breaks your heart? What kind of causes you to get you know, emotional or sad or even angry at some injustice, you know, ASPCA commercial, I don't know, whatever it is. What gets, you, what gets your heart broken, right? What perspectives are uniquely yours? Everybody has a perspective or a worldview. You might come from a conservative perspective, liberal perspective, politically. You might come from more of a social perspective, more of a, of a structural, institutional perspective. So you might be optimistic or pessimistic. I mean, what is your unique perspective? And then what skills do you uniquely possess? What skills do you have? You've got things you're good at, right? Could be soft skills, relational skills, mental skills. Could be with your hands, right? What are your, your skills uniquely? As you write down the answers to those questions, a vocation will emerge. Vocation in its simplest form is where your passion and skills meet. Vocation is where your passion and skills meet. So once you know your mission, the purpose for your existence, a vocation, a unique calling, passions and skills will, will, will prop up that will allow you to know how you're going to accomplish that mission. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He's He's fighting with the religious people, and, uh, as he always does, and, uh, and the oppressors, right? And he wants to free people who are the oppressed. And he says, the thieves are going to rob and kill and steal and destroy. But then he says, I have come to give a rich and satisfying life. This is Jesus' vocation. 
Jesus' vocation, how he expresses love is he's going to go to the poor, he's going to go to the oppressed, he's going to go to the outcast, he's going to go to the people who were labeled sinners and rejected from the religious elite, right? He's going to go to them and he's going to love them and serve them. He's going to speak about a whole new truth where God is a father who loves and forgives and is gracious. He's going to speak of a new truth where where rich and poor are treated with equal dignity, where people from all over the world are, are one in unity by God's love. That's his vocation. And so he went to the people that broke his heart, the poor, the downtrodden, the oppressed, the, the lonely, the judged. It's his vocation that allowed him to accomplish the mission, to accomplish the mission. Now, uh, I've had a chance to craft my own vocation. Uh, I cheated. I knew this was coming up, so I did this this week. Here's my vocation to free people from the fear and manipulation of religion and into a life of grace freely received and grace freely given. You've been around Rancho at all and heard a couple of my messages, this is kind of, kind of the thing. This is what transforms to me individuals, families, churches, communities, and the world. It's this idea of getting people unencumbered from the burden that they have to earn something from God and just enjoy being loved and forgiven by him freely. And that freedom will allow us to not just receive that love and grace, but give it, right? And that's what changes everything. So that's my vocation. And I've got a, a, maybe a skill set and a passion where together that can happen. That can happen. So what I'd like you to do is take another 90 seconds and, and think of your vocation and just kind of work through a couple of questions. I'm actually going to talk you through this one. So let's get the music going, get the countdown going, and, uh, and let me talk you through this. So write down your unique passions, right? We gave this list a little earlier. Write those down. What are you passionate about? What are the things that get you fired up? What do you love doing more than anything else? Write those down. And then again, what breaks your heart? What's wrong in this world? Write down what's wrong in this world that you want to see fixed. You have a passion to see what's wrong fixed. And then those skill sets, right? Write down those skill sets, the things you're good at. You might be good at speaking. You might be good at writing. You might be good with your hands. Write those down. You might be good organizationally. You might be a leader. Write those down. And then imagine how those passions and skills unite into a vocation, a life calling. This is your voice in the world. What is your voice in this world? What are you gonna stand for? What are you gonna stand against? What do you wanna move forward? That's your vocation. That's how you're gonna accomplish the mission that God has for you. All right. Now let's talk about jobs. Where does job fit into this? What is job? Well, when we define job, we define job as the stuff we do to fulfill our responsibilities. The stuff we do to fulfill our responsibilities. And you do a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff you do, you get a paycheck for. So when we think of job, we might naturally think of the things we get a paycheck for, but job is much more than that. Job is the stuff we do to fulfill our responsibilities. So there are things you do at home. There are things you do to keep that home. There are things you do to raise kids, right? There are things you do to keep a sense of family together. There's things that you do in your neighborhood. You know, maybe you're on a committee or a HOA thing or a neighborhood watch. There are things that you do to fulfill certain responsibilities that you have. All of that is job. Now, your job, your activities, 
may or may not be perfectly aligned with your vocation. And that's okay. Vocation and job are different. Job are the things that you do. Vocation is your life calling, your voice. Now, um, for 15% of the world, 15% of the world, their, their job is in perfect alignment with their vocation. I'll give you a couple of kind of easy examples. Um, uh, my daughter right now, very typical uh, young lady, and she's in, um, she's in fifth grade, and she wants to be a teacher. And she's got this natural calling for working with children. So when we get here on Sunday morning, we get her early, and she loves coming early, and she goes right to the nursery, and she helps the kids, and she's there pretty much all, all morning. And uh, she loves it. And so she's not, well, i got to go to church. It's like, I get to go to church because I get to take care of kids, and I'm going to be a teacher someday. This is, a, if that happens, um, her job will be in line with her vocation. Now, that may be true for a period of time, uh, some teachers I know love what they do, have, have a passion their entire career. Others kind of get burned out and all that. So, so if our job actually aligns with our vocation, that's wonderful. That's 15% of America, but it could be temporary. Uh, military folks tend to have a passion about protecting our country, defending our country, being a warrior. It's their vocation and passion together. Uh, same thing with counselors sometimes, ministers sometimes, so, uh, public service, uh, 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 public safety. So there's a lot of times where job and vocation can meet. That's 15% of us. It's neither good nor bad. It's just a neutral thing. For some, it's the same. For some, it's different. But regardless, if your job, the things that you do, is not aligned with your vocation, that's okay, and that's also a good thing. It is very uh, likely that your vocation can be expressed in your job just fine. I'll give you an example. My, uh, my whole life in high school was headed towards commercial architecture. I loved designing uh, commercial buildings. Even in high school, I had just a portfolio I did on my own, and just, I was just a full nerd. And so uh, I did this commercial architecture stuff. It was a passion for me. And now, I also ministered here at the church. Love to minister to junior hires here at the church. And I thought, I could do commercial architecture and work with youth my entire life, and that would be something that could be cool. I'd have a vocation. It'd be meaningful for me. I could have an impact uh, in people's lives uh, in my job. I could perhaps build things that would be, you know, wonderful in ordering the world, being useful, maybe more environmentally friendly, make the world a better place through architecture, make the world a better place through ministry to middle school students. And so that was my plan. And then this gravity to ministry late in high school just kept pulling me away from that architecture vision and more to my vocation and job meeting here at Rancho. And that's been a joy and a pleasure of mine for 27 years now, full-time here. And I love it. I'm not burnt out. I've never worked a day in my life. There's certainly some you know, tough seasons here and there. But truly, this is an amazing thing. And I hope this keeps going. Uh, you may or may not, but I certainly hope it keeps going. Um, that's job and vocation. You may have a job that's not perfectly aligned with your vocation, but that's okay. Your vocation, your voice can still be expressed in your job. Uh, treating people well around you, whatever your vocation is, whatever you care about, whatever you're passionate about, some of that certainly can be expressed in your job. Now, two people we're quite fond of had jobs. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament. He was the great evangelist that took this message of God's grace through Jesus Christ outside of the Jewish culture. So every single one of us that are not Jewish can trace our faith back to Paul himself. Paul was a tent maker. He went to areas that were not friendly to his message. They did not want to hear about love and forgiveness and grace. They wanted to hear about religion and pantheons of gods and obedience to law. And so he thought, in order for me to build credibility and relationship, I need to take my skill and sow tents. His passion was not sowing tents. His passion was telling people about the freely given grace of God through Jesus Christ. 
but he sewed tents in order to build relationships and credibility, right? So your job, whatever it is, you can be a bit of a tent maker. It, your job may not be your vocation, but through your job, your vocation can be expressed. Another person you might have heard about had a job for a long time. His name is Jesus, right? What did he do? Carpenter, furniture maker likely. So, so he's a furniture maker. He did that for 20 years. He preached for two or three, but he made furniture for 20, or 30, uh, for 20 years. Now, was that a waste? Was that just kind of killing time in order for him to preach for two years? No, that was a job that was very meaningful to him. And in fact, in, in the book of Hebrews, it sort of talks about the, 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 the learning that Jesus had to do in order to become this one who was called to preach, the son of God, the savior. So everything he learned from his mother, from his dad in the wood shop, all of that was very necessary for Jesus to be the full expression of God's calling for his life. Now the Catholic church gets this right. They, in my opinion, they get the idea of work right. They believe that work is sacred. In fact, this comes out of the Second Vatican Council. Labor comes immediately from the person so in that sense, we're made in the image of God, right? You go back to Genesis chapter one, here you have God out of himself, he creates and orders, he creates and orders. That's what God does. Then he makes man in his own image. So what we do with our work comes out of ourself and everything we do in our jobs and in our vocation is either creating or ordering. Everything you do, I don't care what your job is, you're either creating something or ordering something, making some system to make people's lives better. That's, a, that's a, a holy thing, it's a sacred thing. Labor comes immediately from the person. The person stamps the things of nature with his seal, you're making a mark, and subdues them to his will. Following the example of Christ, who conferred an eminent dignity on labor when he, at Nazareth, worked with his own hands. If Jesus, the Son of God, worked with his own hands, creating and ordering the world around him through his vocation, then certainly that brings dignity to our work. It brings uh, dignity to whatever we do with our mind or with our hands and gives us a sense that what we do is sacred. Uh, Adam had a job in Genesis chapter two. So here we have the story of Adam and Eve. It's not about a person right, or a couple. It's about humankind. Adam had a mission. Adam's mission was to create and refine, just as God created and refined. Uh, God tells um, uh, Adam, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, that's creating, and subdue it, that's ordering or refining. So as God is the creator and refiner, so Adam was called to create and refine, fill the earth, subdue it. That's his mission. His vocation was to care for all living things. Genesis 2, care for every living thing on earth, Adam. And then he had a job. You know what his job was? Naming the animals. Quite a job, naming the animals. Now that job didn't define him, but it's what he did in order to, to fulfill his vocation. So in the same thing for you, your job is not your identity. One of the reasons I, I don't, particularly care for being called pastor. There's a lot of them, and I don't get upset when anybody does. I, I really don't, but um, I don't like to be called pastor because I don't necessarily uh, feel a need to be defined by what I do. Pastoring is what I do. That's my job. It happens to be in line with my vocation, right, to free people from the manipulation and fear of religion, but pastoring is what I do, right, and we're not defined by what we do. Adam was not defined by being animal namer, Paul was not defined by being tent maker. Jesus was not defined as furniture maker. We don't come here and gather to worship and honor the furniture maker, Jesus Christ. It's not his identity, but it's what he did as a job for a period of time to help accomplish and prepare him for his vocation. I love what 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says. 
It, it embraces this idea that labor matters, our work matters. Make it your goal to live a simple life, taking care of your own business and working with your hands. It's a good thing to work. It's a good thing to use our hands and our head, our creativity, to either create something or order something, refine something. That's the work of God in us. So embrace your job. Embrace the things that you do. And you might think, well, it's just a paycheck. It's a lot more than a paycheck. Think of everything that happens as a result of that paycheck, right? You are feeding your family. You are providing an education. They get an updated iPhone. I don't know. They're the basics, right? So the things that you do with your hands and with your head, it's not just a paycheck. You are do, doing something incredibly God-honoring by providing for your family. And that's true of the activities that don't get a paycheck. You know, being a stay-at-home uh, parent, taking care of the home, taking care of the yard, that kind of stuff. Embrace this. Your work is God's work. Your work is God's work. If you're not doing something illegal, criminal, exploitive, or harmful, your work is God's work. If you are doing something criminal, illegal, exploitative, or harmful, I want you to write in your notes, no more crime. No more exploiting human beings. <laughs> That's your life plan, <laughs> right? But anything you do in any non-criminal or exploitive industry is either creating something or bringing order to something. It is the work of God. I brought a couple things with me here. I have bread and I have wine, bread and wine. Now, uh, we certainly know these things. Um, in the ancient time, this was about it. You are eating bread and drinking wine all day, every day during the time of Christ. Why? Because bread's cheap, they're poor people, and uh, you can make it pretty easily, and it sustains wine because if you drink the water in ancient times, you're going to die, right? It's really simple. Uh, the fermentation of wine, uh, you know, made sure that what you were going to drink is going to be pure and wouldn't kill you in the first century. So bread and wine, very common all day, every day during the time of Christ. But what did Jesus do in the upper room? Jesus takes very common things and asks us to change our mind about them. Jesus says, this is common bread, but I'm breaking this so that you will remember me, my body broken for you to prove how loved you are by me and my heavenly father, to prove that you are forgiven, to prove that you are in a, an unbroken and unbreakable relationship with God the father. That's what this bread now is to you. And you can imagine in the upper room right before the crucifixion of Christ, it's just bread. No, it's something new now. It's the love of Christ. Same thing with the wine, very common. Think of this differently. It's not just wine. It's not to just kind of get us through the day so that we don't drink poison water, right? This is wine that now represents something more sacred, the shed blood of Christ. So the common bread and the common wine, we think of it differently now. So when we take these things here at church on the fourth Sunday of every month, we take those in deciding that what is very common is now sacred. I want us to do that about our jobs. Decide that your job is sacred. You might roll your eyes if you only knew what I did. Well, I, I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I swept floors, I cleaned toilets, I emptied trash, right? I dug ditches, I did all these things, right? And I didn't particularly like all that stuff. But to change our mind and to say, these things are now sacred. I'm deciding my work is sacred. I'm deciding that my work is actually God's creativity and, and God's ordering God's refining the world through me. I'm creating in the image of God at work. I'm refining this world in the image of God at work, no matter what industry you're in. And then I've got this vocation. I've got this high calling. Yes, I have a job, and that job is sacred. It provides for my family. I can also have this vocation arise 
And this vocation is my unique passion and skill set, and I know what that is. And yes, I can live out my vocation at work. I can live out that vocation in family and in church and the community and maybe in the world somewhere. But you got to know that vocation. Change your mind about work. Your work is sacred. And know your vocation. Know your vocation. I'm going to close with a couple things on the right-hand side of your paper. You have a bucket box. That bucket box is the th- something, one thing you want to accomplish in life. One thing you want to accomplish in life based on your vocation. Maybe, maybe there's something in your head right now. For me, it was writing a book, and I've got a good start on a book. I'm sure I won't be done for another 20 or 30 years, and I'm very sure nobody will read it. But I'm working on it, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a bucket list thing for me when it comes to my vocation. I want to, to get these thoughts together about freeing people from the fear and manipulation of religion and freeing them into a new life, right? So I'm putting that down on paper. That's a bucket list of mine based on my vocation. What's your bucket list? Then in the decide now box, what can you decide right now that could help to change your life a little bit when it comes to your vocation? Maybe the right now decision is I'm going to look at my work as sacred. I have hated it. I've rolled my eyes at it. I don't like it. But right now I'm going to decide that my work, what I do with my head and my hands is sacred. I'm making that decision right now. What's common becomes sacred. Maybe you're going to volunteer. You've wanted to volunteer in something, an area of your passion, but you just haven't stepped up to that plate, you're gonna do it. This is the summer, I'm going to volunteer. Maybe you think I'm gonna more deeply impact people at my work or in my neighborhood or in my family. I'm gonna take this life calling, this vocation, and I'm gonna put that to work in the people I love the most and really build deeper relationships, more profound relationships, right? Maybe you need to change your job to more fully do your vocation. So whatever that decision is right now, write that down. And then finally, talk about it. We don't want this life plan series to be something that's just a Sunday experience for 35 minutes. We want this to be something that's ongoing. So talk about it. What I'd like you to talk about this week is what is preventing you from living out your vocation? What's preventing you from living out your life calling? That could be a good-sized list. That could also be a painful list. You may be afraid to live out your calling. You may be afraid. There might be some risks involved. You might be rejected. If you step up to do something, you know, that's powerfully aligned with your life calling, you might be rejected. Somebody might say, no thanks, or we don't need you, or you might try something and it doesn't work out, then you feel like a failure. Maybe you're just too busy. You have filled your life with stuff. You are so filled to the brim with stuff, you don't have three seconds to think about your mission, your vocation, and how that works out in the things that you do. And so you just might be busy. You may need to to reorder your life. I had to do this in the year 2000, reorder my life to create some space to think, to rest, to think about vocation and to put your, your, your uh, efforts towards those things. So there could be a lot of things. Uh, could be discouragement for other, from others. Could be your parents told you something that just identified you as kind of a failure or nothing is gonna work out or, or confined you to this one little thing so you feel sort of trapped. What is it that is preventing you from living out your life calling? Viktor Frankl said this, Holocaust survivor, neurologist, psychologist, he said this, every one of us, has a vocation or mission in life. Everyone has a concrete assignment that demands fulfillment. Therein, his life cannot be replaced, nor can it be repeated. To put it in biblical terms, Psalm 139 says, you are a craftsman work of God. You are the handicraft of God. You are uniquely, wonderfully, and fearfully made. I hate to sound like you know, a motivational speaker here, but you're the only one like you. And that's, I know, cliche, but it is true. 
You are the only one like you. You're the only one with your unique sets of passions and skills and perspectives. And, and, and God wants to see you live this life of meaning and fulfillment to live a life in line with your vocation. And I'm not talking about necessarily big, grand visions. I'm just talking about a life that knows why it exists. So you know your mission, your purpose in life. You know your unique calling and gifts and strengths and passions. And you are then intentionally finding ways to make that work out. That's a life well lived, don't you think? And it's never too late, it's never too early to work this stuff out. All for God's glory and the betterment of others. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Uh, this has been a, a good time in your word, looking at uh, Genesis and the example of, of humankind and looking at Jesus, his own example of understanding mission, why we live, understanding our vocation, our unique voice based on our passions and our skills, and then our job, the things that we do in life with our hands and with our head. God, we want to see each one of us develop a little bit of a, of a plan to, to intentionally live a life that expresses ourselves and our unique calling in, in many wonderful ways, in our relationships primarily at home and with friends and family and church, uh, where we can express our vocation, our voice in our job and in the things that we do to volunteer to impact other people's lives. God, would you uh, allow every single individual and family here uh, to spend some time necessary to see this vocation become a reality so that every day is lived with the vocation clearly in mind uh, so that we can live in a way that's meaningful and we, and we know what we're doing and why we're doing it and that everybody around us can enjoy that sense of purpose and calling. In Christ's name we pray and everybody said, amen.